You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series, our Advent sermon series, where we're walking through each candle. You heard already this morning, we have lit the candle of peace. And so we're going to talk this morning about what it means to have peace. But as we go to God um, in the word of the Lord, let's first go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this day, for this time to gather together and worship together. And God, we pray that now as we read your word, speak your word, hear your word, Lord, that indeed it would be you doing the speaking and, and working in our lives. God, may this encounter with you and your word be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. It's in your holy name we pray, amen. So we're going to look at the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. I'll start in verse 4 and read through verse 7. So I'd invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I don't know if any of you are Enneagram people. The Enneagram is like kind of an, a, the latest version of the Myers-Briggs kind of thing. It's sort of got this Christian influence to it, and you pick a number and based on all these instrument tests or whatever. But I love the Enneagram. The first time I did the Enneagram, I was like, I feel so seen. And I am a nine, and a nine is a peacemaker. I tell you that because I want to be very clear. I love peace. I love peace. However, when your office is next door to Jeff Myers, you get no peace. Seriously, I don't know if you've ever spent any real time with him, but I want you to know that there, he's never, ever had a story that he didn't feel the need to gather a crowd around to retell that story at a really loud volume. His favorite stories involve the ones that have one of those, like, Kevin Bacon six degrees of associations that link him to the most prestigious people he can think of. <laughs> I'm so excited Jeff is in here for this. And now, and then, oh, wait, and now that he has his glasses, this is my favorite. He gets to the part about how he is basically best friends with the president of the attorney general of the FBI. He will take his glasses and pump them at you so that you know he really is friends with that person. And then, then, after he has told everybody this really big story about the famous people, he will suddenly remember how it reminds him of his favorite rap lyrics. And then he will say, come quick into my office, where he will pull up this song and play it on his surround sound speakers in his office. It's a lot of fun, but it's not very peaceful. In all seriousness, the Philippians that we read about here, they legitimately 
didn't have a lot of peace. So not the very fun, Jeff telling fun stories kind, but the real troublesome, why is the world so broken kind? Paul is the one who writes this letter to the Philippians, and Paul loves the Philippians. There's so much affection in this letter. And he's writing this letter to them from prison. He is imprisoned for his faith. He is facing a death sentence. And he writes this letter to encourage them in the midst of everything that's going on, their persecutions and their rejections. And we don't get to hear exactly what's going on at that church in Philippi, but we do know it's not good. The entire letter is about this persistent faith in the face of opposition. In the beginning of the letter, Paul tells us about the opponents who have caused them suffering. Later, he's going to talk about the dogs, the evil workers who have attempted to hurt them. Toward the end of the letter, he references leaders in the church that perhaps are arguing with one another. What's clear is that the church in Philippi is under attack. And it sounds like, to me, that it's under attack both from the outside, the outside forces that are pushing in on them and oppressing them, but also from the inside, where arguments would threaten to splinter them. Here in Philippi, there is no peace. It would be appropriate then in a season like this, in a time of year like this, that we would read about this passage, this church in Philippi, alongside of our understanding of what happened in Bethlehem. There was quite the kerfuffle going on in that sleepy little town in Bethlehem the year that Jesus was born. The population had swelled well beyond the capacity that the town could hold because every descendant from the house and lineage of David was forced to return to Bethlehem to be registered an official way of saying, we need everyone to come and make sure they're paying taxes to Caesar. Which you can only imagine what that would have felt like, knowing that Caesar was the head of the occupying forces that had invaded their land, that Rome and the soldiers dominated, oppressed, and abused the people who called Israel home. And now the denigrated people are being forced to pay homage and taxes to Rome I can only imagine the suffering they would have felt emotionally, spiritually. There would have been a lack of peace in Bethlehem. The prophet Jeremiah has warned us about times like this. He says that they have treated the wounds of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. There are things about that that we understand too. And I started to say there are things about that in the last 18 months that we understand about that. But really, even before COVID, there are so many really difficult things that we are struggling through. I don't remember how old I was when I called my mom one day and I said, the thing about being an adult is that you're never really out of the woods of tragedy. It seems like there's always something awful driving me to my knees, begging God to heal or reconcile or attend to someone or something. The emotional or psychological or spiritual wounds that we feel in our lives are real. And we cry too, peace, peace. There is no peace. I've shared with you before my commitment to conversations around racial justice as I've gotten to know and be pastored by men and women of color who share with me their stories. 
My heart hurts with story after story of their experience and the experiences of so many in their congregation, and I feel peace, peace. There is no peace. I've been listening to this podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill about a megachurch pastor who preached this toxic gospel message, and eventually the toxicity caused the fall not only of the pastor, but also of the very church, and not before, though, it damaged the lives and faith of thousands of people. Peace, peace. There is no peace. We have a staff member who has family in Afghanistan, and in spite of efforts of everyone we know and a dedicated letter-writing campaign to any influential people we could think of, the family is still in Afghanistan living in fear. Peace, peace. There is no peace. The threats from the outside are real. The threats from the inside are real. And we feel so much of what the Philippians are feeling, or or maybe we feel what the Israelites were feeling in Bethlehem. We ask ourselves, peace, peace, is there any peace? But the good news about that story in Bethlehem is that the story really isn't about the overcrowded, overtaxed people but about the birth of the Christ child. And according to the prophet Isaiah, when that Messiah is born, Isaiah says, for a child has been born to us, a son has been given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he's named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The one who is born is peace itself born into the bedlam of Bethlehem, the fur of Philippi, the mayhem of our modern day, is the Prince of Peace. And how desperately, how desperately we need the birth of the Christ child. How desperately we need to be reminded of the peace that God has for us. This last week, this past week, I went to a Christmas concert. It was all of these amazing Christian artists from the early 2000s who have gotten together and they're touring around and singing Christmas songs to everybody. Early 2000s is 20 years ago, and 22-year-old Lindsay was having such an amazing time. Mac Powell, who's the lead singer for a band, who used to be a lead singer for a band called Third Day, came out. Everybody's just sitting he starts singing God of Wonders, and literally I turn back into 22-year-old Lindsay. I stand up, I put my hands in the air, my eyes are closed. I am ready to worship like I did when I was 20. It was amazing. It was like the best ever. But there's this other band there, also from the early 2000s, called Casting Crowns. And they also sang some of their old stuff, but they sang a newer song that they had written, a Christmas song that they had written and as they were singing that song, I thought, this, this is exactly the same question that I'm asking now. Is there any peace? It's a beautiful song, and I'm going to read the words to you, but I want to warn you that they wanted to honor the language of the King James Version. So it's not inclusive, but I want to share the words to the song with you. It says this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, of mild and sweet their songs repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the bells are ringing like a choir they're singing. In my heart I hear them, peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing like a choir singing. Does anyone hear them? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then ringing, singing on its way. And the song goes on reminding us that God is at work and that ultimately nothing will ever be stronger than God. And so we continue to hope in this peace that God gives us that ultimately peace will reign. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men and women and children and all the people. And I think that's right. It's absolutely right. Jeff talked about that last week in his sermon, this radical hope that we have because we know that God will prevail and that we can, that sustains us. We can hold on to that. And, and that's such an important word here for us. But I think there's even something more that Paul is giving us in this passage Something more from the Prince of Peace, more than our hope and ultimate victory, more than what shall be, but even something that is. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus, the Prince of Peace himself, is facing his own death, he gathers together all of his best friends and he says, it's time for me to leave and I've got to tell you some things before I go. And this is what he says to them, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. He reminds the disciples that he has given them a peace, a wholeness that will sustain them through all that is to come, including the death of their friend and mentor, Jesus, but also the persecution that they will face on behalf of their faith. All of these difficult, non-peace-like things that are happening in their lives right now. Jesus doesn't say there's a promise of peace in the future, but instead Jesus says now, here, I give you this now in the midst of your despair. And what's so important about that passage in the Gospel of John that I don't want you to miss is that right before that, right before Jesus says, peace, I give to you, the very sentence right before that is Jesus saying, don't worry, even though I'm leaving, you will not be alone. Jesus says, I'm sending an advocate, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus says, I'm going to continue this relationship with you. I'm going to continue it so that you will know in all things that this peace is with you. It is a sustaining peace that holds us in the midst of the chaos and the bedlam and the fur and the mayhem that the, 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 we find that in our relationship with God, in God's insistence not to leave us alone. Peace is the relationship with God that doesn't leave us to the wiles of the world, but stays with us, abides within us. That's the peace that Jesus gives. And there's one more thing that I want you to see in this Philippians passage that we read. I want you to remember that Paul is writing to the Philippians while he himself is in prison. 
His future is certain. He is bound for death. And yet, and yet, when Paul writes to the Philippians, who they themselves are also suffering, what he says to them is rejoice. The Lord is near And because of that, the peace of God will will surround you in ways that you can't even understand. Paul is speaking words of joy and hope and peace in the midst of the affliction of the Philippians because that's what we do in a community of faith when those we love so dearly are hurting when it is too hard for us to utter our own faith, too difficult to believe the gospel of the truth of peace, when the oxygen is too thin for us to breathe in the Holy Spirit, it is then that our community surrounds us and claims those truths on our behalf, on our behalfs until we are able to utter them again on our own. It was this time of year, just a few years ago, when a student at Roswell High School suddenly and tragically died. It impacted the whole community. Thousands of people turned out for this funeral. And at the funeral, the pastor said, when you leave, I'm going to give you a piece of paper. It's going to have a date on it. And on that date, I want you to pray for this family. Because see, that was the way of the faith community coming alongside of the family, surrounding the family, because in the midst of their own despair, it was too hard to claim those promises of God. But we could do it for them. We could surround them, because that is what a family of faith does. Not to sing songs to a heavy heart. We're not called to come in and say, don't worry, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, because I've seen plenty of times when people had more than they could handle. But what Paul tells us here is that it is in our relationship that we can know a peace that holds us in our relationship with God. But in our relationship with one another, we hold each other in that peace in a way that guards our hearts and surpasses our very understanding, offering comfort and compassion and peace to one another because that's what a family does. And so, yes, We are hoping for a day when the messiness of the world and our lives is no longer a thing. A day when the world will authentically know peace and there won't be any conflict or hurt. But this morning we light the candle of peace because the Prince of Peace has given us a wholeness, sustenance in the midst of all that's happening. In our deep abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit, we know peace. But in our relationship with one another, We speak words of peace to one another and offer that in the birth of this Christ child, peace, peace, there is peace. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, indeed, you give us a story that surpasses our very understanding. And so we pray that in the midst of wherever we are in our lives, that you would give us that peace, that we would know that connection with the Holy Spirit to know that peace but that also, Lord, through this community that we are able to speak those words to one another. Peace, peace, there is peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.